okay, it's time to get you right. It's the legal lens with Angela Redock Wright. KBLA Talk, 1580. Every Saturday, 11 a.m., baby. Bringing light to law. Hit it, educate, engage, and empower you all. Leading attorneys, policy makers. No fake in history in the making. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Go, 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 go. Good morning, good morning, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. Happy weekend. This is Angela Redock Wright, and you have tuned in to the Legal In Show with Angela Redock Wright on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are so happy that you've taken time out of your weekend to join us as we cover some of the nation's top legal and trending legal topics and legislative and policy topics here on the Legal In Show, which is our mission to bring law to light each Saturday and Sunday at 1 p at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Saturdays and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sundays. Again, you're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580, where you can download our app and listen to us at any time, anywhere on the go. Take us with you. Not only listen to the Legal End Show, but listen to the other weekend lineup shows that we have, as well as the weekday shows where you have the opportunity to hear talents like Tavis Smiley himself, who is a visionary and founder of the station, along with Dominique DePrima and so many others. So download that app and tell a friend to download the app. And you can follow me all week on my socials at I am Angela Redock Wright on Instagram and Facebook. And you can follow me on LinkedIn at Angela Redock Wright. But let me tell you one thing. We could not do this show without you, our listening audience. And we thank you so much for tuning in each week. And we thank J-Star who wrote our Legal Lens um, jingle for that amazing jingle that gets us going each week. We have a dynamic show planned for you this um, weekend. This is the fourth weekend in January 2023. I cannot believe it's almost the end of January or we are at the end of January already. This year is already flying by. So they're calling this year 2023 the year of Jordan. So if you haven't gotten your Jordan groove going yet, you better get it going because we're already um, counting down to the end of the first month of January 2023. We have an amazing show planned for you today. We have have um, asked one of our Legal Lens guests um, from our first show in January of this year, um, Sunny Slaughter, a law enforcement expert, to return. Um, for us. In, in fact, we've designated Sunny. She doesn't know this yet, but as our law enforcement expert and her friends as our law enforcement experts uh, to come in on the show throughout the year, uh, because unfortunately, I mean, good for, you know, Sunny and those that work in this profession that there is a high need for the work that they do. But unfortunately, we have to have people on like Sunny and her colleague, Travis Scott on Cox, I'm sorry, Travis Cox on to 
um, talk about these issues because every day we see something in the news that's happening that involves law enforcement, that involves violence, and um, we have to talk about it in our community because these issues impact our communities directly. So um, we have, as guest, Sunny Slaughter, who, if you missed the show with her in January 7th or 8th, um, that show covered law enforcement reforms um, for 2023. Today's show we talked about last week because we wanted to cover mass shootings because of the recent mass shootings in California and in other places in the country just in January 2023. But since just last Saturday, Sunday, Monday, other things have arisen in um, the news. In particular, we cannot go without at least acknowledging this unfortunate incident involving um, Tyree Nichols, the 29-year-old black, young black male in Memphis, Tennessee, who was um, beaten by police officers. And, you know, autopsy reports suggest that that those beatings ultimately led to his death three days later, later, just earlier this month in January. So because we have Sonny and Travis on the line with us today. We definitely want to kick off the show talking about that, getting their thoughts, their insights. And then we want to turn our attention to mass shootings and the recent mass shootings, but more importantly, talking about um, what can be done. Um, If you're like me, you know, I'm a woman of faith. So I definitely always um, go into prayer when these situations happen and send love and prayers to the family. But, you know, many rightfully are saying time is out for the prayers. Time is out for the well wishes. And let's just go along to get along that something really needs to be done to end this this violence in our communities. And so both Sonny and Travis are going to share insights on that from where they sit. And Travis, what I love about what he's going to bring on the show today is his insights as a law enforcement officer, a trainer. Um, he trains individuals on, um, our, uh, he trains police officers or law enforcement on um, dealing with active shooters. And so he's going to give us some insights from the front lines and as someone who does training on these issues. So it's a sobering show today. You know, we always try to balance our show with the positive, but also bring you with the heartline news that um, impacts us all and that we care about. So it's a sobering show, but an important show. And I'm just so happy that we have two experts who can help us dissect these issues. Uh, before we bring Sunny and Travis in, just let me highlight a couple of things in our legal news. Um, first, on January 25th, 1966, Constance Baker Motley, if you've never heard that name before, make sure you look it up. She became the first African-American woman to be appointed to a federal judgeship in the United States. And so um, those of us in the legal community have so much respect for Constance Baker Motley and really look up to her as someone who paved the way for so many of us that have come after her. Um, There are a number of stories in the news that I wanted to share with you from this week. Um, We don't have time because just on our agenda today, the the issues in the news are so pressing that 
it would almost be, you know, short-sighted not to really focus in on those issues in particular. But I will say, you know, Ben Crump is representing the family of Tyree Nichols, as is he's also along with our favorite lawyer in Los Angeles, Carl Douglas, is representing the family in a recent incident here as well. But he and his law firm also took a stand. You know, Ben Crump is actually based in Florida, and we see a lot of interesting things come out of Florida from a policy and legislative perspective with Governor Ron DeSantis. And um, one of the most recent decisions the governor made was to reject the teaching of African-American studies as an advanced placement course. You know, advanced placement courses are those courses that students who are on the college track, they take to increase their odds of getting into the best colleges and to show their academic prowess. So Governor um, DeSantis recently determined or passed a law stating that um, African-American studies could no longer be offered as an advanced placement course. And so Ben Crump, of course, noted civil rights attorney is on the front lines on this issue and has filed a lawsuit against the governor and the state of Florida, um, you know, rejecting this, rejecting the displacement of African-American history in the schools in Florida. And just if you read the L.A. Times today, where I'm from, we'll see that similar activity is taking place in our neighboring. I live in L.A. County in our neighboring Orange County. So this issue of critical race theory of teaching um, history in our schools is becoming unfortunately prevalent in this day and age. And so it's good to see attorneys like Ben Crump and others on the front lines of those issues. And we're definitely going to talk about those issues at some point. But today we're talking about the unfortunately unfortunate loss of a life of a young black man who had so much promise, a father, Tyree Nichols. And then we're going to turn our attention to talk about mass shootings and what can be done, helping us with that discussion today to nationwide well-regarded law enforcement specialist Sonny Slaughter and Travis Cox. Please stay tuned. We have a important and vital show for you today and we're asking you to tune in to call a friend to grab your coffee, grab your tea, download the KBLA Talk 1580 app because this is not a conversation you want to miss. And guess what? You can join the conversation by calling us at one 800 920 one five eight zero. Stay tuned, folks. Yes, folks, you have it. That is Candy Girl by one of our favorite groups of all time, New Edition. In fact, Candy Girl was the very first album that I bought, um, a forty five in. And junior high school, we call it middle school now, but in junior high school. And for those of you who are loyal followers of our show, you know that we enjoy playing good music on this show to help us transition. And we always ask our guests uh, when appropriate, if they can share some of their favorite tunes. And so our two guests today have shared with us um, their favorite songs from New Edition. So we'll be playing those throughout the show today. And again, um, we like to balance the show with you know, positivity, as well as touching issues that are really important. So um, by playing these upbeat songs, we definitely don't want you all to think we've lost the message of 
the very sobering news we received recently about the death of Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old black male in Memphis, Tennessee, the mass shootings this week and beyond this week that we'll be talking about. But you know what? The great thing about black people and about African-Americans in our culture is that we always somehow find joy in the pain. So today we're celebrating our joy. And in fact, many say our maintaining our joy is a form of resistance and a form of protest. So we got to maintain our joy even through the pain. So with that, I'd like to welcome our two amazing guests, Sunny Slaughter, who you heard on the show on the weekend of January 8th discussing law reform in 2023 and since then you have seen her regularly on the news and on podcast world um, as a legal analyst on law enforcement issues such as the Idaho murder cases the recent mass shootings which she'll be talking about this week and I am so happy to announce that since she was last on the show she has a new title as well associate producer um, for the A&E network for their show Undercover Um, so we'll definitely ask Sunny to talk about that toward the end of the show and any undercover cops out there or law enforcement officers or if you know any she is looking to to recruit you and to talk to you about possibly being one of the guests on that show so good morning Sunny I understand you are calling us from Philadelphia Pennsylvania how are you this morning I am good my friend thank you so much and yes I am calling you from the city of brotherly love I am actually in the car in a parking garage praying that the background noise will be limited. But um, I'm so I, I, I could not miss up a pass up an opportunity to be on the show with you again and and your listening audience because it was phenomenal the last time. And I'm just forever grateful that you continue to weigh in on the topics that matter, on the issues that matter, the policies that matter, and that your listening audience is always ready to uh, respond and engage and that they um, are so knowledgeable and in tune with what we need to address across the country today. Yes, thank you, so thank Sunny. Thank you for having and me. And thank you for <laughs> making the sacrifice to be here. And so far, your connection is great. So just sit right there. <laughs> Don't move, okay? And you brought with you a friend today. So, you know, we often like to have at least two guests on the show, and we asked you, who would you recommend? And you recommended our second guest, um, Travis Scott, who has been a law enforcement professional for 29 years. I'm, you know what, Travis, you have to forgive me. I keep wanting to call you a different name. I am so sorry. And I have it right here in front of me, Travis Cox. Travis Scott, C-O-X, has been a law enforcement professional for 29 years. Um, he, in 1996, he joined the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. During his 27 years at JSO, they call it, he has worked in various positions such as field training supervisor, emergency preparedness unit commander, and the assistant chief of the violent crime section, just to name a few. And in particular to part of our, our the bulk of our topic today on mass shootings, uh, Mr. Koss also has uh, his training duties have included teaching law enforcement officers about active shooter management. So thank you so much. Uh, I know you're not here in your capacity for Jacksonville, uh, for the Jacksonville, Florida um, Police Department, but I feel it's inappropriate not to call you a Lieutenant Cox. So welcome, Lieutenant Cox. How are you today? 
I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, I'm uh, greeting some Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you. And how's the weather there today? Are you all uh, still? They call it the Sunshine State, but we're lacking a little sunshine right now. But it's uh, it's better than up north, so uh, I can deal with sixty degrees. <laughs> right, right. Oh, very okay. Good. Watch that talking about up north. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, to kick us off with you know very sobering topic, um, the death of Tyree Nichols in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. First, let me just ask you, um, Sonny, maybe kick us off. What are what are your thoughts? The videos were released uh, last night. What's some of your early thinking around this? Uh, I did not watch the video until this morning. Mm -hmm. I needed to, um, I needed to gather myself and I would like to extend my personal condolences and prayers to the Nichols family and their, uh, his friends. And what I saw on the video does not represent the law enforcement officers and professionals that I know. Mm -hmm. While I know these crimes do exist where uh, individuals wearing the badge operate outside of that badge, these are not the professionals that I engage with, that I train, that I bring to the table, that I know. And it was so disturbing to me personally. I am a mother. I am a mother of sons. I am a mother of daughters. And uh, tragic mm -hmm. and traumatic does not do enough. Yes, yes. It, it's just, it's, it's real heavy for me. Right, and, right. Um, and many are saying they're having trouble or they're waiting to, are choosing not to watch the videos at all just because, you know, um, we don't necessarily need to be reminded of the kind of things that happen. Um, Mr. Scott, what, what are your thoughts on the Memphis incident and, you know, particularly as a law enforcement officer yourself? Exactly. So uh, my, my thoughts are, much in line with Sonny's, you know, you, I watched it last night when it first got released, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I think I have a little bit of a different lens because I look at it from a trainer. Right. And all my years of training police officers, you know, we always look for the justification of the actions of the police officers. And, and what I saw last night, there was nothing those officers did that was in line in any training that I've seen done in law enforcement. And what really pains me uh, about that, you know, outside of the loss of life there is, you know, in law enforcement, we work so hard to build goodwill with our community. Mm -hmm. And when incidents like this happen, it just erases a lot of that goodwill and it paints all law enforcement with a bad brush. Uh, and so we have to work harder to regain that trust, right. even when, you know, we're thousands of miles away from where it happened, but we all feel it. So right, um, right. It, it was it was tragic. Yeah. One step forward, two steps backwards. Right. Is what incidents like this bring about. So one of the things yeah. that attorney Ben Crump, who's representing the family, said that they're calling for is a, a law in Memphis. I think they want it to be called the Tyree Nichols law where um, there, is, there are penalties associated with um, officers that stand by and allow these things to happen. Um, 
Mr. Cox, do such laws or are, are policies already exist in um, the nation's police departments? What are the rules when it comes to, to bystander intervention for police officers? Yeah, so speaking with a lot of my colleagues around the country, mm -hmm. uh, most agencies, especially your larger agencies, have some type of duty to intervene policy. And those that didn't have this type of policy after the George Floyd incident, mm -hmm. um, those agencies began to write those policies. And again, they're not laws, mm -hmm. um, so there's not a criminal act there, but they are, you know, a viol would be a violation of policy for that agency. So that agency could take some type of administrative action. And I think that's somewhat of what we're seeing about the two paramedics that were on scene. Um, they were talking about them a little bit last night, how they have been on administrative leave pending an investigation for their uh, duty to intervene. Right. And can paramedics intervene in what a law enforcement officer is doing? There's a isn't there a distinction there in terms of their roles? There, there is a distinction. Um, I believe that, you know, seeing the seeing Mr. Nichols there and they're not providing care. I mean, they still have a duty even if law enforcement's on the scene, to do what they are trained to do right. and what their oath allows right. them to do. Right. right. And and I'm a former EMT, mm -hmm. and there is always a duty to intervene, regardless of who else is at the scene, because the individual, like uh, Travis said, needed medical attention. They were called for that, and they the, those individuals did nothing. But there were also other officers that were standing around that right. did nothing. He was incapacitated in a way and injured in a way that everyone outside of their professional scope had a duty to intervene based just, if nothing else, on humanity. Right, right. Yes, well, we certainly are going to be watching, you know, as this story unfolds and as it develops. And um, just a reminder to all of us that there's there's still work to be done. And just in my getting to know you today, Mr. Coxon, leading up to, to, to the show today, I'm just happy to know there are law enforcement officers out there like you who really do um, take their role in, in representing the community and the citizens of our community the residents of our communities very seriously. So I, I, because we promoted the show as a show about mass shootings, I really want to make sure we cover that topic for those who've tuned in specifically for that topic. And so again, in the news, just a few days before the Travis or the Trevor um, Nichols, Tyree Nichols videos were released, um, we you know, heard about the mass shootings in California. Um, probably the, the one that got the most notoriety is the, the mass shootings involving um, on Chinese New Year, the celebration of Chinese New Year um, in Monterey Park, California, where 11 individuals were um, shot by a soul, soul shooter. And then also in Half Moon Bay, California, uh, we had an incident later that same, within that same weekend, and even before then, earlier um, in the month in Goshen, California. And then, Sunny, I know you've been tracking um, some shootings in other parts of the country as well. And just to help further frame our, our conversation, our research shows that since 2009, um, there have been 299 mass shootings in the United States, resulting in 1,678 people who've been shot 
and killed and 10,087 people who've been shot and wounded. And we often see that the, the majority of these mass shootings are by what they call a lone shooter. Um, and they've happened everywhere from the homes to public spaces like schools, malls, and bars. But they tend to happen primarily in businesses and schools. And children are among the most impacted. Um, children weren't impacted in these recent incidents, but children tend to be the most impacted. And of course, at the core of the conversation about gun violence in our country is this issue of the Second Amendment um, balanced against, um, you know, individuals being licensed, not necessarily licensed, but um, finding, we find in the hands of these individuals, these lone shooters, um, they're having um, high capacity magazine assault weapons. And so that's been at the heart of the discussion as well. Um, so let's we we're going to come forward and continue this discussion of mass shooting, but that's some framing, and we're going to start with um, Mr. Cox talking about how law enforcement officers are trained and prepared for uh, mass shooting. So stay tuned. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580, and that's new edition with "If It Is in Love." We're playing some of the favorite tunes of our two guests today. Two law enforcement officers nationally known and regarded, Sonny Slaughter and Travis Scott. And we're, we divide Cox, <laughs> Travis Cox, we divided our conversation into two um, today. We talked a little bit about Tyree Nichols and his unfortunate passing in the incident in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and now we're turning to the topic um, which we promoted the show for today on mass shootings and we mourn the deaths of those who lost their lives this past week in California and just throughout the country, just in recent days and months and years. Um, and to help us dissect this issue, let's kick it off with you, Sonny. Uh, what do you think is going on? Give us some context for the mass shootings that we're seeing in, in the, the U.S. Well, um, thank you, Angela. The recent mass shootings, I believe, have a lot to do with People are very angry about so many things going on in their lives. And uh, everything uh, after COVID seems to be attached with the way people were disassociated amongst humanity and their contact with one another. There's been a lot of conversation in the public health space about people and how they were isolated and the ability to communicate. But one of the individuals certainly uh, had some issues prior to COVID. And I just think people are now responding in a way that they just don't care about others. And it is tragic. It is, um, uh, I don't want to overlay everything with mental health because um, mental health is it's such a unique situation, although we use the word quite often. And, and and anytime there's a mass shooting, we say something about mental health. But mental health outside of a diagnosis or disease, people are always experiencing trauma. So I don't want to conflate the impact of diagnosis and disease of mental health with individuals and how they are responding to vulnerabilities, trauma, and just who they are and how they see themselves interacting with others in the world today. Right. And Sunny, we know a lot of your work overlaps, even with law enforcement overlaps with um, health issues as well, that you're a big advocate um, around issues involving health. Um, 
Mr. Cox, building on what Sonny has said, you know, there definitely is a mental health element here. Um, and in California, in fact, our governor just passed or is attempting to pass a bill to kind of deal with mental health and homelessness and so forth. But what's the overlay mm-hmm. with guns? And, you know, is it a, a, a issue of how we license people to carry guns, getting more guns off the street? Any thoughts about the, the interplay between mental health and just guns themselves? Yeah, so there, there's it's almost like the perfect storm. I mean, there you have the mental health side of it. You have the accessibility of guns. Um, many of the individuals that have been studied that were involved in mass shootings were able to purchase guns legally. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we see in law enforcement that the person that is using these guns uh, to carry out these crimes, they're gaining them illegally. So it's not just a, hey, if we pass this one law, this will stop, or if we take Looks like we lost Mr. Cox there. Sonny, do you want to pick up from there? Yeah, I think where he was going with this until he comes back was it's not just sometimes I think people think if we take one law and enact one law or if we do one thing, even on the law enforcement side with uh, licensure and registration and things like that, Mm -hmm. that it will address the entirety of the problem. Mm -hmm. But when we think in a in the narrow confines of that, then we miss all of the other ways in which uh, people have uh, access to guns. People uh, like the individuals did not have any mental health diagnosis. They may have had issues, but they were e- able to legally obtain those guns because there was no flags for them. So law enforcement had no reason to keep an eye on them in the way that some people might think. Mm -hmm. And there are people who have access to guns who are responsible gun owners. uh, And we cannot think that one thing will just take care of everything. There's a lot to unpack in this. And uh, there are conversations that are happening across the country uh, including uh, next month in uh, Atlanta with the uh, former Surgeon General Dr. Uh, Satcher and law enforcement professionals and public health professionals around violence and gun violence in particular. And, and what can we come up with from a policy standpoint? And I know that's the kind of some of the work that you also focus on with Angela and some of the work that uh, Travis focuses on uh, in and out of his uh, professional capacity that lends for policy making for good policy decisions that ensure we are not falling short, but that we are looking broadly at how violence impacts all of us. Indeed, indeed. Not just victims. Well, thank you for picking up on that thought, Sonny. Uh, Mr. Cox has rejoined us, and this is a great opportunity to ask him. Give us insights how you actually train officers and law enforcement on dealing with um, active shooters. Give us some more insight on that training. What does it look like? So, uh, absolutely. So, sorry about that. No problem. Technology failed us. (laughs) Um, But when we're training, we're looking at two main areas. Mm -hmm. And the the first area is response. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we go in and stop the bad stuff from happening? Mm -hmm. How do we stop the bad guy from doing what he's doing? And then the second area is management. So, 
how do we manage the incident? Um, we had a mantra a long time ago that we still say today is incidents fail at the management level. So mm. when we do our training, we have to make sure that we're equipping the officers to go in, find the bad guy, stop him from doing what he or she is doing. And then a big thing is to get the medical on scene because we have learned through the years of law enforcement that uh, once those people are shot, we have to get them to uh, hospital hospitals and medical care as soon as possible. So one of the big things that we do is make sure that we train with our fire partners or paramedics mm-hmm. or EMS and so that we have that coordinated effort so we can be as efficient as possible of giving those people medical care that they need after being shot. Indeed. And then maybe some insights along this line as well. Of So once these incidents unfortunately happen, um, how and maybe looking at even the Monterey Park, California shooting this week, um, how do how do you traditionally go about investigating these incidents? You know, people ask, how does this happen? And what did you know, how did the mm-hmm. police not know about it? How what does an investigation like this look like? Well, unfortunately, the, the investigation starts from the crime scene, and then we start working our way back. So we always say we have three scenes at every type of mass shooting, where mm-hmm. the shooting occurred, where the how the suspect got to the, re- to the location, and then the suspect's residence. So we go back and look at these three different areas and start putting together the pieces after the fact. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about how do we stop these things from happening – Sometimes there's what may be called pre-assault indicators. You know, someone's behavior has changed. Um, They're starting to look at and read more violent material or sending more violent material. These incidents that happen, you know, we've seen it in our workplace where, hey, so-and-so is just not acting right. He used to be a very fun-going guy. Now he's all dark and glooming. And bringing that to someone's attention, you know, that's how we may be able to intervene before the actual mass shooting occurs. Mm-hmm. And does it diff- does the investigation differ if the person, if the um, lone shooter killed himself or is killed by officers um, or is in custody? Does that look different? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So when if the suspect is deceased, Sometimes there's answers that we never – there's sometimes answers we never get, you Mm -hmm. know, the motive. Why did this happen? Uh, Whereas when they're in custody, you know, you may be able to find some of those answers to put a little more closure, especially for the families, not just for the legal case of it, but for the families. Um, The downside to the person being in custody, it may be a couple years before that trial happens or you get the answers you need or you feel that you receive justice. So right. there's definitely a different different uh, feel for each one of those situations. Okay. Well, thank you all. Um, we are speaking to Sonny Slaughter and Travis Cox about the recent mass shootings in California and throughout the U.S. And we're going to turn our attention to talk about the impact on our communities, law enforcement officers, and what are some possible solutions that are in the works. Um, stay tuned. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. And that's New Edition with another one of our favorites, Cool It Now. Thank you to our guests today, Sonny Slaughter and Travis Cotts, for their recommendations for our music selection. We have been talking about some sobering topics. Um, first, Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee, and now about some of the recent mass shootings. Um, Sonny, um, 
you look at this a lot from a cultural perspective and impact. Um, what? How do you think um, these issues are viewed and evaluated? And when we start to look at sol- um, solutions, how do you think we look at it from a cultural lens? And this week in particular, the AAPI or the Asian Pacific Islander community was impacted in a big way. Um, what role does culture play when we talk about mass shootings? Uh, so culture is very important when you think about what type of services and support individuals need, how they will respond to those services, and who best should provide those services. And it also matters when, uh, when it comes to the law enforcement professionals who engage uh, the individuals impacted. Do they have a, a cultural lens and the language that is very important. And even if you're talking to someone that looks like you, language matters, how you speak, how you engage with them. Um, do you know whether it's appropriate to hug someone or not to hug someone? Uh, do you address the uh, males before and not the, uh, the women without the male presence? All of those things become ways in which culture plays a very significant, very significant role. So although we often talk about race, culture, and ethnicity are very big factors in how we understand the impact for individuals and for communities and how the broader community needs to wrap their arms around them, not what is best for them as individuals, but what best serves those that are most impacted. And I think... um, that is really important. Indeed, you raise a really good point. Um, and Mr. Cox, as someone who trains law enforcement, do you all take into account or do you train about issues of culture and how to respond in certain situations based on the community of individuals impacted? Oh, absolutely. So we, we try to train our officers to be aware of the different cultural and the diversity that in the communities that we serve. Um, but I think one of the best things we've done is recognize that the need for victim advocates and mental health professionals to come in and assist us with dealing with the victims and the survivors' families right. um, when we're on these type of scenes and the days leading up to, you know, the days after the aftermath. We kind of pass that torch to them because they are the licensed professionals and they may have more insights than our officers would. Right. In our few seconds in this segment, um, Mr. Cos, what would you, we never really talk about the impact on law enforcement officers in situations like this, but what quick insight can you give us about how law enforcement officers themselves are impacted? Yeah. So everyone handles that type of stress and that type of situation a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but we have seen, especially with some of the more horrific scenes across the country that, these scenes are career-ending for some officers based on the just the post-traumatic stress mm. of the incident, not getting these uh, images out of your head. You know, you're dealing with you know, small children, and you're going to this classroom, and you're seeing these children that have been slaughtered by, by an individual. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes officers have to take some time to get back in the saddle, if you will, right. and get back on full duty, and some never make it back, which is understandable. Absolutely understandable. Right, right. So we have to look at it from both sides. We are talking about recent mass shootings. When we come forward, we're going to touch on some possible solutions with our two guests, Sonny Slaughter and Travis Cox. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the all-new Weekend Lineup of enlightening, encouraging, and empowering talk shows. Exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. And that's New Edition. We're closing out our show today with New Edition Count Me Out and closing out our segment with our two amazing guests, um, law enforcement experts nationally known, Sonny Slaughter and Travis Scott. They have shared with us great insights about um, from a law enforcement special um, um, lens about the death of Tyree Nichols and also about some of the recent mass shootings. Sonny, let's start with you. What are some solutions that are being considered um, in terms of dealing with mass shootings? Uh, some of the things that are being discussed are policy solutions around, you know, the usual around gun violence and uh, gun policies that restrict with stricter background checks and uh, having more conversations around victim services and support and, you know, survivor services. And support. I think we just have to keep going forward, even though it seems like we're always going back to the same conversations. We have to keep moving those conversations constantly because something is always happening. So I would just urge everyone not to get uh, sidetracked by uh, the rhetoric and just stay focused on the things that we can continue to do and to make sure that we are working in a collaborative effort. And we Ms. need everybody at the table. Exactly. And Mr. Cox, from your lens, what are some possible solutions? Yes, something on the same, long, same lines that Sonny just mentioned, that we have to get everybody to the table. So when mental health has something or the school district has something or law enforcement has something, we all need to know about maybe that troubled child that is thinking about doing something at the school so some intervention can happen before they're allowed to get that gun and then bring that gun to this classroom. So we have to work together. Um, we have seen school shootings go down, actually, statistically, um, over the last years because we've trained our kids more to know that, they, hey, they need to alert someone. When someone says they're going to do something, they have to take it serious, and we have to do the same in the workplace. Excellent insights. Thank you both so much. And Sunny, we do want to give you about 20 seconds to tell us about your new role as the associate producer for A&E um, in their show called Undercover. What's that all about and how can people get more information? So uh, thank you so much. So uh, uh, <laughs> Greenleaf Productions is the company that I'll be working with, and they have a new show that's coming out on A&E. And it is a law enforcement show called uh, Undercover. And I am working as the uh, <laughs> associate producer. I am looking for officers who have operated uh, in the role of undercovers. They must have real and audio. They can go to my website, Sunny at, uh, com. There's a page that says producer. And if they put in the information, make sure they have that audio and real. I will uh, do a, a screen and schedule with them, and maybe we can see them operating on television. This is a paid opportunity. Uh, 
And we are looking forward to it. Oh, good. And we're so excited um, for you and look forward to the great shows that are going to come forward. Thank you, Sonny Slaughter. Slaughter. Thank you, Travis Cox, for taking time on your weekend to share your expertise with us. We definitely look forward to coming, having you come back um, to continue to discuss major issues in the headlines. And I'd like to thank you, our listeners today for tuning in. Next up, we have Talk Tech to Me with Cassie Betts, an amazing show. Definitely want to stay tuned in. And we hope you'll join us next weekend where we'll continue a discussion of trending legal and legislative topics. Um, In the closing words of Angela Davis, who celebrated her 79th birthday this week, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world. And you have to do it all the time. And that's what our guests today are doing. And we encourage you all to continue to do. Until next time. Be kind to someone, show love. Certainly the world needs more of that. Signing off, Fred Ockwright on The Legal Lens Show.